0: Everybody, welcome to episode 46 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. I'm going to change this while we're on the fly here to my, not my blue boot. Go- I want my that thing. I want my Ethernet. Where did it go? It's not reading my Ethernet. What is happening? All right, we'll have to deal. It's plugged in. Don't tell me it's not. Plugged in. All right, whatever. We'll do the Wi-Fi, um, but it looks like it's giving me issues already. So, anyway. Uh, everybody, welcome to uh, Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. <laughs> uh, the all new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app it is now live. A great time to to get it, to use it, to open an account if you don't have one, if you have one and haven't been using it. Time to get on because you got the hoops playoffs, you got the hockey playoffs, you've got baseball, you've got PGA, you've got all kinds of stuff. F one coming up, uh, the Spanish Grand Prix coming up, not this weekend but next, and then Monaco after that. So tons to get the get your action in on, and take it from me. The new Bet Parks app is everything you want in a mobile casino and sports book. And it's right in the palm of your hand, right in your pocket. Easy to sign up, like I said, easy to use, fun to use, faster to win than ever before. And right now, all new and existing users, both, all Bet Parks users can use the promo code Jason750, Jason 750 and get a risk-free bet up to $750. 750 bones. Again, promo code Jason 750 for new and existing users. And you get that risk-free bet up to $750. Terms and conditions apply. So download the Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Thursday. It is Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. And joining us north of the border right now where the NHL 22, 2022 NHL draft will be held coming up on July 7th and 8th from the fourthperiod.com com. is Anthony DeMarco. What's up, Ant? Not much, buddy. How about you? Uh, Enjoying some of this good playoff hockey or what? Dude, I think it's been like crazy. It's almost like everything that I've never known about hockey has gone out the window because it's been so just insane. It's wild what's happening yeah it's uh you know so many series
1: obviously aside from the colorado nashville one seem to be going the distance we have an elimination game tonight with tampa and toronto that series has been absolutely crazy we have new york pushing it to at least game six last night you have the calgary dallas series that my god it's like a shutdown fest in that series that is Straight up Daryl Sutter hockey, but I mean, it's cool to see so many match teams going against one another. Obviously, like I just said, with the exact exep- the exception of the Avalanche and the Predators.
0: Yeah, that was kind of the chalk and kind of proved Daryl Sutter to be right once again that some team's going to waste eight days. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of kind of what happened. Re- real quick on that series though, with that wrapping up, Philip Forsberg does the lap after the handshake line in Nashville. Is that it for forsberg there or is he is he going to get to market or are they going to get a deal done i know he said the next day that the priority is still to stay there but they haven't come to a deal and they've known about this for a long time that it was looming and now you're getting in real, real dangerous territory for David Poyle and the Nashville Predators of losing them for nothing. I,
1: You know, like, you always think that they're going to resign, right? These types of players, especially for a guy like Phil Forsberg, for all intents and purposes. I know he was drafted by the Washington Capitals, but he has been a predator for life. He, they have had some decent success with him there. But then you look at a guy who he's, what, 27, 28 years old. Predators seem to be trending in the wrong direction if you know if I was a betting man you know that blue line's getting a little bit older with Ekholm and Yossi a year older obviously Yossi a fantastic year in his own right but that forward group you know you had Duchesne kind of turn back the clock for one more year Johansson kind of turned back the clock for one more year but how many more years are they going to be able to you know do that and if you're a guy like Forsberg and this is your big chance to cash in and not only just cash in but cash in maybe with a up-and-coming team do you take that opportunity you know the fourth period reported uh a couple days ago that the Forsberg talks will start to ramp up now but at this point if I'm Philip Forsberg I would be kind of tempted to go test the open market
0: yeah um you may have to and you know he's going to get paid a ton of money on the open market yeah. I mean you're looking at an 8.8 seven-year deal for him
1: I that, would that say right? so
0: I would say so like you just got to go look back and look at comparables
1: and obviously wingers you always kind of start behind the eight ball as opposed to free agent defensemen or centers but a guy like him like after him like there's not a lot of high-end talent offensively both center Mm -hmm. and wing like you know when I was looking at it maybe you know opportunities for the flyers you look at the two guys from uh, the Colorado Avalanche and Burakovsky and Nachushkin but that's a pretty steep drop off after that, like off the top of my head. Obviously, if you go down the center list, a guy like Evgeny Malkin, but I don't really count him as like a true unrestricted free agent because of his age. And yeah. obviously he's going to be selective where he goes if if he even leaves Pittsburgh. Then at the centerman, other uh, besides of uh, Malkin, you have Trocek, you have Kadri. But as far as high end offensive talent players, I guess you can make the case for Kadri. I just personally don't put him in that tier. I think he's kind of a product of his environment. But I think Forsberg is kind of like that only one high-end guy along with Johnny Goudreau. And then Goudreau is a whole different can of worms. So I think it really is Goudreau and Philip Forsberg as the two unrestricted free agents who really
0: fit that top-tier offensive category. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, both of those players are going to get paid a ton of money and the Flyers don't have that kind of money. Yeah, they just don't—they don't have that available unless they were able to somehow dump a ton of money, and I just don't know that that's going to be possible this off season. But it's been a really eventful week. Uh, before we get to Barry Trotz, I want to go there second. I want to go to the NHL draft lottery, which took place what on Tuesday night, and um, you know you kind of get chalk here with Montreal getting the number one overall pick. It's the first time in 37 years that the host city of the of the NHL entry draft will also have the number one overall pick. And you've been to games at Montreal Bell Center. I've been there. There's no environment in hockey better. It's one of the cathedrals of sport. That place will be absolutely fucking buzzing come draft night on July, on July 7th.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there with the rest of the TFP guys. Obviously, very practical for me. I just have to you know hop on the highway and I'll be there in 20 minutes or so. So it's going to be really cool. And, you know, being a Montreal native, I know firsthand what it's like here. I remember the last time the draft was in Montreal, which was 2009, which would have been the John Tavares draft, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. That was the year when Paul Holmgren swung the deal for Chris Pronger. So maybe who will get another type exciting move this time around as Montreal comes back um, or the draft comes back to Montreal. Rather, maybe Chuck Fletcher has something up his sleeve. But, uh, you know, obviously you hear the people like, oh, it's rigged, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. But, hey, sometimes the worst team is going to be the, get the worst pick, or the best pick, rather. And I, we had talked about it a bit, but I think the last time it happened where the team with the worst record got the first overall pick was Toronto in 2016
0: when they drafted Austin Matthews, if I'm not well, mistaken. Buffalo did last year. They had the worst record. They took open power, and they got the number one overall pick.
1: Oh, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, Part I mean that it was Del it was oh, so Buffalo did it twice, yeah, so like it seems like almost like fifty percent of the time you're getting teams jump up to get the first overall pick, and like I understand that they don't want to encourage drafting or tanking rather to get the top pick, but I feel like it may have been overcorrected a bit, like Jersey jumped how many spots to get the second overall like it's they jumped
0: well well well, flyers went from 13 to 2 jersey went from 5 to 2 that year and this year how many did jersey jump well jersey was just behind the flyers
1: okay so they jumped four spots so that's not the end of the world but like a situation with the flyers when they jumped 13 to 2 like that's a situation where obviously it didn't work out for the flyers but that i think is a little bit extreme if you ask me
0: I i agree i mean you look at the rangers the rangers when they get lafreniere yeah, they had about a two percent chance to land the number one overall pick that that year. Um, they ended up 14th ranked team, and and had the 14th best odds to move up to one. And that year, Detroit had yeah. the worst odds by seventeen thousand miles. <laughs> the Ottawa Senators had twenty three more points than them as the second worst team in the league. Yeah, and that was a shortened season.
1: Yeah, like if you were to ask me, and obviously it's easier to just say like just shooting the shit like you and I, obviously it's way more complicated, but I've often thought that like the top five teams should be the only ones that can really get a chance at the first overall. Aside from that, like when you're jumping, like if you're a bubble team, kind of like what the Flyers were in 2017 is it fair that you leapfrog, what was it, 11, 12 teams to get into the top three or the top two in that case? But obviously, I think this year was one of the more fair ways it fell. Obviously, the Flyers moved back a spot. But I think, like, obviously Shane Wright's going to go number one. But, you know, I was talking with someone with the Flyers today, and he was saying that, like, in that, like, 3 to 10 range, there's so many guys – that it's really based on preference. Like I had um Mark Seidel on who works for on my podcast on Brotherly Pod a few weeks back. He works for the Barry Colts and runs his runs his own uh, scouting agency. And he had Camel ranked, I think, in the top five. Mm. And most people have Camel ranked closer to ten. You know, he had Savoy ranked number four, but you know, Some Craig teens. Yeah, uh, some have... uh, Button, I think, has him at 17. And most people have him closer to 10. So, I mean, it it really depends your preference, I think, in a lot of ways. Like, I personally like Savoy because I think he brings a lot of high-end skill. But is he a product of his environment with the Winnipeg Ice? Like, so it's really a matter of preference after, I would say, the first two. It does seem like Stokowski is kind of like the slam dunk to go number two. Mm -hmm. But... Again, there are people much more privy to you know these prospect rankings than I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the the, the draft and the year that the Flyers move up to two and Devils move up to one to take sure. Flyers obviously take Nolan Patrick. The team with the worst record that year was Colorado. And how how much did they benefit by not winning the draft lottery? Yeah. 2017, they had the worst record. They took Kale McCarr. Yeah. <laughs> and look how that's working out. Pretty darn good. Yep, best player in the draft by far. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Petterson had a really good start, and he's kind of hit slowed down a bit. He needs to, you know, bounce back in year two of this three-year deal that he's on right now. And obviously, Heiskanen's been really, really good as well, but not at McCarr level. I put this whole string of tweets together after it, you know, with the f- fifth overall pick. It is weird that they had the the fourth worst record but the best odds to land at five that seems odd to me yeah (laughs) you know what I mean. like where you land should be the most likely landing spot in the nhl draft but i guess the math just doesn't work out that way um so the weighted chance and all that but i mean you look at the oilers they landed the top the top pick in three straight drafts twice with the worst record once without that 2010 they took hall 2011 nugent hopkins 2012 they took nail yakopoff hall's not there nugent hopkins is a Good player, not incredible. And then obviously Yakupov was a gong show. They won it two years later. And in 2015, they got McDavid. And they also had the third worst record when they got McDavid that year. You remember the two teams were Buffalo and Arizona tanking, but Edmonton got them. Now, since the McDavid pick, by the way, and the Oilers have played 26 total playoff games with a record of 10 and 16. That was as of a couple days ago. Now it's 10 and 17. Uh, They won one round in 2016, lost in the bubble play in round and got bounced in round one last year. And they may get bounced or down three games to two to the Kings tonight out at Staples Center. Not to mention they drafted Dreisaitl third overall in 2014. And that's a huge found pick. But still, they're not a great team. It's unbelievable. And
1: in 2016, they drafted Pauly third, I Mm -hmm. believe, or fourth? Fourth Fourth. or yeah, fourth.
0: Columbus went off the board a little bit. And they Everybody took Dubois Harvey was going there because the general manager is a fellow countryman and it didn't happen. Yeah, because they wanted the centerman. And to be honest, that probably was a good pick in the
1: end. Yeah. yeah I think Dubois is a much better player than Pulley RV And it's kind of ironic that Line and Dubois end up getting traded for one another. But look, it just goes to show you that you can't just strictly build through the draft. And I think that was one of the lessons we learned from Ron Hextall. Now, obviously Hextall didn't have multi-picks inside the top five. I think he had two inside the top 10 and all the other ones were, you know, 15 or higher. Or Sanheim was, Sanheim was what, 18? You have Rube Sobber who was 22. Jay O'Brien was 18. I think Faraby was 14, but he traded back for that pick if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, aside from Provrov and Nolan Patrick, you were drafting in the teens or higher. So, But to the same token, I think that Hextall was trying to like build an entire team of guys that he drafted. And I don't think that's the way that the Flyers are going to go about this. And you can't go about this. You can't just completely assemble your team of guys you drafted. You have to insulate them with that. You ideally have to build around them. But I also think that the Flyers are in a position here where they have a lot of young guys who aren't quite ready yet, but that have good potential. They have some, you know, younger or older guys and some like getting into that mid tier. But Fletcher mentioned that they wanted guys more in that 27, 28, 29 range to kind of bridge the gap to these young guys, because I think they're going to get a good player here. Like, I don't know who you have your eye on, but let's just say for argument's sake, it's like a Cooley or Savoy or, that going,
0: yeah, I don't think Cooley's gonna be there. I think he's going third.
1: Yeah, I think he's gonna to go to it's Coyotes who have third, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, like if if I had to guess the if the first four, and this is like a completely uneducated guess I'm gonna take here, it would be Wright, okay. Slikowski, Cooley, Nemich. That's the way that I'm assuming it's gonna fall. Um, obviously you're gonna have a guy like Yurichek, who I've heard mixed scouting reports on him, if he's good, like if he's worth going that high or not. Camel, we already talked about how, like, up and down people have Savoy. Geeky's intriguing because of how big of a guy he is, but is he dominating in the WHL because of how big he is against, like, the majority of the players in that league right now? But either way you shake it, the guy they're getting isn't playing next year. Maybe he won't be playing the year after that. So the Flyers can draft it, and I don't think they're going to do this, but even for people who may think this – They can't just draft this guy and then be like, "Okay, like this is the guy we're going to build around in the next two to three years. It's going to have to kind of be gravy on on top of that, because even when he does show up, is he going to be a generational star? And I don't think that they're going to get that with the fifth overall pick.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, uh, uh, C-Mac puts a question in and he says, is there any truth to the Craig Button comments about the Flyers trading five and a player to move up into the top two or three in this draft class. He said, I found it weird since not many are confident about this class. I, I think that that's probably unlikely because they don't have a second round pick. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to get the first round one right because you're not going to pick again till the third round unless they find a way to swing a deal and grab a second uh, round pick in this year's draft. Plus, I mean, you're really pointing everything towards 2023 as well. So." I think he's more likely to trade back than he is to trade up. Yeah, I'm sorry. My cats are having a battle royale, so I'm sorry if you hear that in the
1: back. But um, but yeah, no, I, I don't see that as likely because like you said, I don't think the Flyers are in a position to, get, to give up further assets to try and move up. And I just – what is the difference of player you're really going to get by moving up into the top three? Yeah. Like let's be you're real. You're not hip. drafting for need. You're drafting best player available. That's it. You can like the drafting for need business, I think was proven wrong by you, what you saw with uh, the Montreal Canadiens when they took Cockanamy third overall in 2018, yeah. like that is the absolute worst case scenario by drafting for need. Sometimes it works out and you get into a position where I need a star centerman and the guy who's projected to go first overall is Austin Matthews, like with Toronto Maple Leafs. Sometimes it just falls that way. But a lot of times you have to make that tough decision. Like, I don't think the Coyotes are going to trade back. Like they're completely in a full scorched earth rebuild. The only team that I could see really entertaining to trade their pick would be the Arizona, um, not the Arizona Coyotes, the New Jersey Devils. So are you going to move into, you know, the second overall selection just to draft a guy like Logan Cooley? I think at this point, Slakowski has the highest upside. Are they going to move up and give up an additional asset to draft Slikovsky over Savoy or Yuracek or Camel? It just doesn't really make sense to me because it seems like there's right right under him, it's Slikovsky. And then kind of after that, it's just based on preference.
0: Yeah. And are you doing business inside the division as well for something like that? That's, yeah, that's another, another thing. Another part of the equation for sure. You know, the other thing too is I have cited the LA Kings a few times as a team that didn't rip it all the way down to the studs and rebuild it and look at them. They're about ready to win this first round matchup. I believe there'll be handshakes tonight and they'll get it done and knock out Edmonton. But they drafted, since they won their cups, their second cup, they drafted overall their top pick in each of the drafts, 29th overall pick, 43rd, 51st, 11th, 20th, 5th, 2nd, and then 8th. They only had one pick high, really high up. And you're looking at that's where they get by field and 5th and 8th, but I mean, they're a team, they didn't even have first round pick a couple of those years because they were using that to keep their cup window open. And now they're back in the mix again. And they still have that older core with Kopitar. I mean, they're going to win this series without doubting. (laughs) It's bananas. Yeah. And you look at what they did over the summer last year, where you bring in a
1: guy Mm -hmm. like Arvidsson, you sign a guy like Phil Dano, like my colleague, Dennis Bernstein on TSN radio yesterday said that he's Dano has been their MVP this season. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of a realistic model where you could draw a lot of parallels to where the Flyers are. And, you know, I I do think that there is kind of like this, I don't know if obsession is the right word, but this thought process with a lot of the fan base, it's that you either have to be completely tanking or completely all in
0: to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, And I think in theory, that makes sense. That's like our political environment in the States. You're <laughs> on the far right or you're on the far left. But there is... A lot of, you know, they're very verbal on each side, very uh, loud. But really, most people live in the middle. And that's where this process should be, somewhere in the middle. Leaning which way? That's your preference. But I totally agree with you. And, you know, I, I spoke to someone
1: last week um, that told with the Flyers that said, I think that at some point this summer, you're going to hear Chuck or Dave Scott speak out on kind of what their realistic expectations are. And when Chuck kept bringing up, you know, 2019, and I think we spoke about this last week, it kind of told me like, okay, so they're going to make additions without mortgaging the future in any way. Mm -hmm. Like they're not going to trade their first overall pick. They're probably not going to trade any draft picks. They're not going to trade guys like Cam York or Tyson Forster or any high end prospects like that you know, it seems like a slam dunk that your backup goaltender next year is going to be Fedetov or maybe to a lesser extent Felix Sandstrom. You know, I was told that Sandstrom probably will be re-signed. So, I mean, that to me doesn't sound like a team that's going all in to win a Stanley Cup. But does that mean that they have to actively try and be the worst team in the NHL? I don't think so. Like, I think that if you add you know, let's say a middle of the road free agent, like a Val Nichushkin, who they could probably fit under their cap to help their, you know, middle six scoring, or they swing a deal for a center on the market, whoever that may be, you sign Trocek or whatever. And then you sign a depth defenseman like a uh, Mark Pissick or what have you, all of the sudden you have a team that's a lot better, obviously mm-hmm. contingent on the health of Ryan Ellis and um Couturier. Sean Couturier and later on we could get to something I was told about Hellas earlier today but I think that you get a team that could compete for a playoff spot probably has a good chance to make the playoffs once they get into the playoffs you probably have a good chance of maybe going past the first round but you're not a you're not a cup contender but you're going to gain value experience for guys like Cam York Joel Farabee if a guy like Brink is on the roster next year Carter Hart, Travis Sanheim, although they're kind of entering more of a veteran stage. If a guy like Tanner Leszczynski or Ratcliffe are full-time NHLers next year, you start instilling a winning environment, something like we're seeing with L.A. right now. Yeah. Like L.A., I even if they beat the Oilers, are they going to make it out of the second round? Are they going to win the Stanley Cup? Probably not. No. But the value in terms of the winning culture, they're instilling for guys like Byfield, for guys like Velarde, for That's guys right. like Sean Dersey, all these guys, it's kind of invaluable.
0: How about Kempy? Yeah. <laughs> right? Unreal. Trevor um, Moore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a team. And, and Jonathan Quick still getting it done. I mean, get the. Yeah. I mean, just shut out the Edmonton Oilers is no easy task. And they've found a way to do it. Some notable real quick um, top five or fifth overall picks in, the last uh 30 years or so billy Garren was a fifth overall pick How about Yager back in the 90 draft um blake wheeler was a fifth overall pick so was Kerry price phil kessel braden shen fifth overall pick morgan riley elias Lindholm, elias patterson and jake sanderson more recently so you can get you can get a good player
1: yeah That's no for sure overall. I think they're going to get a good player, is enough for me to say, um, that will probably help them maybe as early as 2023, 2024. And to be honest, I get the sense that that's where the organization's eyes are at right now.
0: So you mentioned you just teased something earlier that you heard. I think it was regarding... Um, Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis, yeah. What were what you hearing regarding Ellis? Well, like, obviously,
1: it's... Um, You know, I've been trying to ask around on Ivan Provorov. Obviously, there's a ton of smoke surrounding Ivan Provorov. But one person earlier this morning said to me that I think a lot of people's eyes are on the wrong person in terms of the top end of our defense. That people should be concentrating more on the guy who's not there. And that's who's the problem. And he used the word problem pretty strongly saying like. This is the issue as to why we can't get our top pair right. And again, I said, well, you know, now it seems like you guys have a bit more of a path with Ryan Ellis, and it's always just like, yeah, we hope, yeah, we hope. we can't trade him because, you know we Absolutely. obviously, yeah, it's an unmovable contract. And I think that what how the flyers feel right now, and we've talked about this is that Provorov's value, across the NHL isn't what it actually should be because he's had two poor seasons. So the flyers aren't going to trade him for pennies on the dollar. They're not in a position to do addition by subtraction at all on that blue line. But for him, obviously he has to shoulder some of the load here, but no one here is trying to say that this guy is a headman or Yossi or Makar. But I think the wide belief on this guy is that he's a top-pairing defenseman that can't carry it on his own. And they're not able to play him with a guy who can kind of shoulder that load. So it still feels to me that obviously they're disappointed with Provorov. Obviously, he needs to have a bit thicker skin. Obviously, he has to be better in his own right. But I think the internal belief with him, and not to say he's untouchable, like if they get an offer... Nobody is, exactly. If they get an offer maybe down the road when his values back up, I think that's when they would consider it. Like, I, I don't think Provrov's a flyer for life. Like, I think, like, Sanheim and York are probably five years down the road from now, your two top left shot D. Mm-hmm. But in the here and now, I think that they're more concentrated on fixing the guy beside provrov as opposed to moving on from Provrov, and now you have two positions to fill.
0: Yeah, because the Niskanen year showed you how he can fit with a partner with consistency that's a legit top-pairing right-side guy. Yeah. So that's, the, like, the great tease right now, and and replacing Niskanen is proving difficult. And let's face it, like Matt Niskanen's not one of the great right-side defensemen of all time. No. They just fit together, and he was a veteran guy, and it worked out for that year. And, you know, look, he was a nice player, but let, I think people got out of control with Niskanen as well. Um Let's move on to the coach because we got the bombshell earlier this week, Lou Amarello making the decision to relieve uh, head coach Barry Trotz of his duties. And Trotz is a guy that, I mean, other than I think, what, the first five years of his career in Nashville, he basically is money for the playoffs every year. He missed it three, to- four times, including this season, in, 15, in 16 years. Uh, he's coached over 1,800 games in the league. He's got a career-winning percentage of 567. Uh, wins the cup with the Washington Capitals back in 2017, 18 and gets the job done going on two conference finals runs with the New York Islanders. And all of a sudden he's available. I know Frege, Elliot Friedman has mentioned, I think on the Jeff Marrick show that the flyers are, are a team um, that should be all over this and that they're a team uh, with the blank check, you know, remark, he said, I would be, I'd be shocked if Philadelphia didn't back up the Brinks truck here. Uh, regarding the Flyers and Barry Trotz. Is that viable? Is he the right guy for the gig? Absolutely, on both fronts. Like, I mean, I think that the Flyers are willing to
1: outspend anyone, and I think that he's absolutely the right guy for the gig. You know, for a team that has lacked defensive structure with within every year, with the ex- exception of nineteen twenty, when they were one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. Seven fewest th- goals allowed. Exactly. And they, you know, that was just a complete outlier of a year. This is a team that has lacked defensive structure for quite some time. Like, even in the, you know, the glory days of Peter LaViolette, they weren't the pinnacle of defensive structure. It's just because they had two Hall of Fame caliber defensemen anchoring their blue line in Pronger and Kimo Timonen. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, maybe I'm making a stretch with Hall of Fame as as far as Timonen goes, but you know what I'm saying. So, I think that he's a guy that could come in. Probably do wonders for a guy like Rossmas Ristaline and really try and get Ivan Provorov back on track and still a winning culture. You know, I think that with the exception of maybe John Cooper, he's absolutely the best coach in the NHL. The only issue here is, and I believe it was Darren Dreger or Pierre LeBrun who reported this, is that there's maybe some questions that he wants to be
0: involved in management. Um, I mean, it could pe- be one of the red flags this is why he's leaving the Islanders because Lou's not going to have that
1: yeah and i and then you also look at winnipeg where he's from they have a coaching vacancy could they use him in a management role like that's kind of been a stale management group for quite some time yeah like i don't think they've made a change to the winnipeg front office since you know sure. shovel got mm-hmm. there you know and um you know that makes sense to me but in terms of if the flyers should go after him absolutely and then you let him bring in whoever you want. And there's the guy that followed him from Washington to Nashville. His name escapes me. Yeah, that's it. But he's Mm -hmm. also being considered for head coaching jobs. Yeah, I think it's going to be him. And you know what? I think that, you know, you give him whatever you want. And obviously the Flyers don't care about the money. They owe Alain Vignon another $10 million, but I don't think that would be an issue. This would just be a win on all accounts Mm -hmm. uh, if you get
0: trots in here. Yeah, I mean, he's year to year from the Doug Waite year with the Islanders to Barry Trotz year one, they shaved off 102 goals. They gave up the most goals uh, under Doug Waite the year prior. And then when Barry got there in that defensive structure and they lost Tavares that offseason, yep. they gave up the least amount of goals. Same goaltending, really the same team. The only difference was no Tavares. That's that's pretty incredible. And obviously when Bar- where Barry goes, Mitch Korn goes, the goaltending coach that's worked with Barry Trotz forever and – widely known as the best in the business right now. I mean, he's the goalie whisperer. I mean, look what he's done with guys like like Pekka Rene, like even UC Soros early in his career. And then what he did in Washington with Braden Holpe was off the charts because Holpe hasn't been the same since. And then, and Samsonov to some extent. And I guess Samsonov came in after Barry was gone. But what he did there in New York was Sorokin and Varlamov. Well, even
1: before those
0: guys, like look at Thomas Grice.
1: Grice, yeah. Grice was an, now, arguably Halak. the best, Halak, arguably the best backup in the NHL, and then he leaves the island, and now he's a disaster with the Red Wings. Yeah. Obviously, he's approaching 40 now. That likely has a big part to do with it, but the point still stands. Or, you know, Robin Lehner has sung the praises about his time in Long Island, yeah. about how much they meant for him. You know, he was an absolute train wreck in Buffalo. He Goes needed the, the
0: structure of- around him.
1: Yeah, it was – I just – for me, it's a no-brainer on several fronts here. If you could bring in a guy like Barry Trotz, you do so. Because before, you kind of had two guys in the same category, you know, Tortorella, Maurice, you know, maybe this, that, and the other thing, experience, matter of preference. If you wanted to go with more of a new type of progressive approach, you go with a guy like Jim Montgomery. But they're all kind of floating, give or take, in the same tier. Yeah. But now you get this guy who ad- automatically catapults himself to the top of the list. And it's not just going to be the Flyers. I, for me, I would say the Flyers and the Winnipeg Jets make the most sense right off the hop.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's some some coaches that think they're safe right now that all of a sudden they're sitting on one ass cheek, aren't they? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> like,
1: even what about in Vancouver now? We know how rocky that relationship yeah. is going right
0: now. So, Yeah. I mean, if he's going to a Canadian team, I think he's going to where – he's from in Manitoba and it would be with the Winnipeg Jets. And maybe he does want, you know, a piece of saying, Hey, um, I want to have some input on decisions. And, you know, would Chuck Fletcher be amenable to that? Chuck's not a territorial guy like a Lula you know? So maybe that is part of the equation and maybe that's what it takes to get him. So um, we'll see how that plays out. You know, it's interesting because there are five coaches available right now that s- seem like they still got meat left on the bone to coach that are all cup winners. Trotz is one of them. He's got one cup. He's also got the third most wins in NHL history uh, at behind the bench at 914. Joel Quenville is available. He's got three cups. He's got 969 wins. Um, Claude Julian is available. He's got a cup, and he's a, a up there in wins in NHL history as well, although didn't have a good run of it, obviously, in Montreal. Um, and then Mike Babcock is another guy that's out there, has a cup, has 700 career wins as well. So there's five – and torts. I didn't even mention torts. There's another guy that's up there in wins in the NHL and has got a cup and been a really good coach and 673 wins. So, I mean, you're looking at some pretty high-end coaches that are available. Then you mentioned Montgomery. You have David Quinn that's available. Paul Maurice. AV. Yeah, AV's (laughs) – well, we're not going to go back there probably. No, (laughs) but like he is available out there. Yeah, I mean Paul Maurice available, Tacket's available, Bruce Boudreau very likely will be available. He's got five hundred and ninety-nine wins. I mean, I don't know that you ever have a time where there's as many high-end coaches that are available. Tip it even at six hundred and forty-eight wins
1: is available. Yeah. And and that's why, like, I don't know if you really want to go outside the box with this higher, like uh, you know, a Travis Green or David Quinn or even a Montgomery, because like you said. There's so many coaches available right now with a big pedigree. And the problem here is, and we've talked about that, like even in the case of Mike Yo, you couldn't bring him back primarily for the optics. And how would the optics look hypothetically? If you go out, you hire Jim Montgomery, and then it's an absolute train wreck of an experience. And then everyone's saying, well, you had – you know, Paul Maurice, Tortorella, Barry Trotz, Dave Tippett, all these guys at your disposal, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think that's why you're going to see Chuck Fletcher go with, if I'm a betting man, it's one of
0: Maurice Trotz or Tortorella, if I'm those, a betting man. Those are the three I have as well. I think okay. it's – those are the top three. And then I think the one guy that's maybe sneaky in there is David Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he's the right guy. Or Jim yeah. Montgomery. Yeah, not David David Quinn. Jim Montgomery yeah no and Jim Montgomery in the Phillies by the way
1: (laughs) (laughs) well well like Jim Montgomery could very well be a good you know option here like I've heard some mixed reviews about his time in Dallas but obviously he was battling personal demons it would be a cool comeback story and like you said he very well could be the best guy for the job The, the issue here is is that if it doesn't work and then everyone starts swarming Chuck Fletcher, like, well, you had all these guys with proven track records, you know, former cup winners, the longest tenured coaches. Like, I think Maurice was the longest tenured coach before he got let go, yeah. uh, maybe with the exception of Blashell. But, like, I was... Like, I just don't know if they could recover from that. And it feels like, and I'm not saying this is the way that you should run it, your business. Obviously, you can't make, you know, coaching hirings, arguably the biggest coaching hire decision in the history of Chuck Fletcher's career as a general manager, both here and in Minnesota, based on optics. But could you imagine if they hire David Quinn or Jim Montgomery and it doesn't go well? And then the hindsight, like, I don't think he would be able to recover from
0: that. If one of those high pedigree guys like trots was available and you didn't get him, and he ended up somewhere else, you understand, you go, okay, he ended up somewhere else. Somebody, he wanted that to, like when Quinville was available, yeah. Flyers were in that mix. They offered him more money. He wanted to live in Florida and fish. Yeah. So he went and he took the Florida gig. It wasn't because the Florida Florida at that time wasn't thought of any better than the flyers. Nope.
1: You're from, absolutely
0: right. From talent standpoint. Um, by the way, Connor Verhage, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. He, yeah, he was going just, nuts. Oh, my God. And how about the Giroux goal, by the way, after the pass?
1: Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. You know, I put a tweet out yesterday about Bobrovsky. And, you know, obviously Florida can just outscore their problems all the time. It just seems like no, you know, deficit is insurmountable for them. But, you know, Bobrovsky, man, at $10 million, like, is that the worst
0: contract in the league? Well, it's, it's really dumb, man, because they went out. They signed him to the deal, and then they drafted Spencer Knight. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, why? Why are you going to use a, what was Knight, 14 or 16 overall? Something like that? Yeah, something right in that range. And, I mean, that just didn't make any sense to me. Like, I kind of looked at it and going, like, this is really bizarre. I'm going to sign this guy to a seven-year, $70 million contract, and then I'm going to use a first-round pick that year to draft a goalie? That just seemed kind of stupid. Right. Yeah, he's uh he's such a loose cannon in the playoffs, honestly. Bobrovsky,
1: yeah. like I had one person, one of my buddies say, "Well, you know, the Jeff Skinner contract is worse, and it really is a coin toss." But I mean, at least you see that Skinner can put up more than thirty goals yeah. when he's put in the right situation. I just Bobrovsky to me, like I think on a good day he's worth what seven eight million dollars. On a yeah. very very good day, the
0: column white contracts not too good either
1: no that's <laughs> pretty weird. rough as well
0: <laughs> um and we'll see what happens in the next week or so here the trots news could be like uh, like shooting a little bit of uh engine fluid starter into the uh, carburetor to get things moving on the coaching front uh, because with these names available there's only so many chairs and all of a sudden you don't want to be caught without a chair in the musical coaching musical chairs game uh, the decision is too important so we'll see how it plays out great stuff as always and now you can read anthony's stuff at uh, the fourth period.com. Get it all there. Brotherly pod as well. And at Ant DeMarco 25. A DeMarco. Right? DeMarco a DeMarco. D-I-M-A-R-C-O <laughs> 25. So we'll count down the, the time to the draft as well. Thanks for doing this, Ant. We'll talk next week. Yeah, man. Take it easy. There he is. Anthony DeMarco joining us on Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. All right. Either do yourself a favor right now. I'm going to ask you to do one of a couple of things. Either A, uh, if you're in your car or whatever you're streaming us live, pull over to the side of the road and grab your phone, open up an email and be ready to type in some Tone's Takes. Or you can just open up your Bet Parks app. It's real simple. Like I go on my phone. I just open it up here and I go right to, whoop, there it is. That's the X and click the X and it's loading up. And you want to get your Tone's Takes in because we do it every Thursday. We do a little something. We like to make you money. We do a little something we call. Tone's takes. And there he is. What's going on, Tone?
2: Hey, what's up, Jason? How you doing?
0: Doing good, man. I'm just enjoying these playoffs. They've been so incredible.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome, the first
0: round. Not just like the swings in some of these series like this Mont- or the Toronto Tampa series has been incredible. And then yep, Florida yep. looking like they're on life support. Andrew Burnett pulls the goaltender with north of three minutes to go. I think it was Sherry who misses the open net. Florida ties yep. it and wins it. And now yep. all of a sudden they're up. I mean, what the hell is going on? Yep.
2: And then that Pittsburgh series too. Now with Crosby going down, I mean, it's this is why the playoffs are awesome. Like, game to game, and momentum things can change just like that. And you saw it when Crosby was
0: down in the game tone; everything changed like that.
2: Yep, I think there was they scored what a couple goals, a few goals within like three three minutes or whatever. Yeah, you
0: know, was good down to to nothing. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's that's incredible. I don't think the Rangers have enough to come back in that series overall, even without Crosby, but. We'll see yeah. how that plays out. But uh, let's get to this week's Tone's Takes. Let me give you some of the numbers uh, first and foremost. Uh, on the season, Tone, do I, uh, yeah, that's this week. Um, last week, you were 3-1 and one, plus three units. Uh, year-to-date, plus 30.99 units. In play number one, we're going to the aforementioned Toronto-Tampa Bay game. And you like Tampa here. And you're going to take the puck line. You're going to take a minus a goal here to get some plus money.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go minus one, plus 125. Over the last three playoff seasons, they are sixteen and zero following mm. a loss. Vasilevsky has a one point four one goals against and a 0. .944 save percentage in those games. Uh, this this series is going seven. Tampa Bay is the only bet in this game, in my opinion, even based off those numbers. I mean, obviously it's not a hundred percent, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with the numbers on that. And then puck lines in the playoffs this year are thirty two and seven. Holy cow! So I'll lay I'll lay the goal. And I'll get plus money on it.
0: You know. Jeez, 32-7, and seven, that's bananas. Yep. So Tampa Bay minus one at plus 125, and like you said, they are the Bolts and Vasilevsky. have about 16-0, and 0. awful loss, what a number. Uh, let's go to your second play here, and I'm in total agreement. I mentioned this when we were talking to Anthony DeMarco. Edmonton is on the brink of elimination, and I think we get handshakes tonight at, what is it called, Crypto.com Arena or whatever it is now?
2: Yep, yep, I'm going to go with the Kings, plus 120. Uh, I, I thought the Kings were done in this series after game three with those two blowouts, and then they had that performance in game four with that shutout. Um, and then I thought Edmonton was going to win at home, but they didn't. Like, I, I can't back this Oilers team right now on the road laying, laying this money. I don't care who was on the team, McDavid, Dreisaitl. Kings are a veteran squad. They still have Kopitar. They still have Quick, who's playing great this series. And you guys talked about it earlier, and me and you have talked about it before, That Philip no signing for them has worked wonders for that team. Adrian yeah. kept, kept base a beast, and they're doing this all without Dally too. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the home with the home dog here to close out the series.
0: Not only that, but there's no Darnell the Nurse in this game for Edmonton. Exactly. That's yeah, I forgot to mention that loss. too. Yeah,
2: yep. And yeah, that was loss. that that play that headbutt by him. I mean, he, he he can't be doing that. He has to be. more stupid. disappointed
0: stupid. that, I mean, yeah, what are you thinking in that spot? Yep. You know, you're a headbutt. Yep. You are getting you're losing a game no matter what, and that was pretty egregious. Um, right. let's go to the third play of tones takes and let's, uh, go here. Uh, you like, uh, in this game, the Kings in Edmonton as well, but you like the over in this situation. You're thinking some goals tonight.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go with the over six Just paying a little bit of juice to get at the six. Um, if, if, if Edmonton wins, it's going to be a higher sc- high scoring game, you know? So, um, and then if the Kings.
0: oh, I think I lost your audio tone.
2: Uh, Elimination games in the playoffs, overs are always a good bet. I mean, coaches have been pulling goalies, you know, in regular playoff games with like three, four minutes left. So it's even more in elimination game. So Kings have a third period lead and that goalie, Mike Smith's going to come out pretty early, which could lead to empty net goals. So I'm going to go with the over six here.
0: I think we've seen, I think, three games so far that had multiple empty net goals in these playoffs already or in the first round. That's pretty crazy. So yep. um, that also helps the total out as well. So the three plays for Tones takes for the 12th of May. Number one, Tampa Bay minus one plus 125 tonight against Toronto to even that up and force a game seven. Then you got the Kings straight up plus 120 in this game to uh, bring out the handshake line uh, against the Edmonton Oilers tonight. And then you'll take the over in the Kings-Edmonton game over six at minus 130. Where can people get your stuff, Tone? At
2: Tone's Takes on Twitter and then also dimers.com and oddschecker.com for daily NHL articles.
0: Awesome. And at Tone's Takes on Twitter as well. Tone, thanks for doing this. We'll talk next week. It'll officially be round number two of the Stanley Cup playoffs and eight teams will be on the golf course.
2: Thanks, Jason. Have a great week.
0: There you go. There is Tone and Tone's Takes on another edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Three good plays in action tonight around uh, the NHL. It's going to be a very intriguing night once again. I mean every night's been good. Like one night you got the Rangers going and Florida and Washington, Rangers and and Pens and then tonight you got Toronto and Tampa, the two-time cup champion and Edmonton. I mean, kind of forgotten series has been that Wild Blues series. Blues have the 3-2 lead now. It's been it's been awesome. And the playoffs are always just fantastic and the first round is so much fun. Uh, we'll see if you know the Minnesota Wild go to Cam Talbot now, who won his last seven starts, but they've been going with Marc-Andre Fleury. So it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. But you need to do yourself a favor and grab the Bet Parks app. It's the best casino and sportsbook app out there. It is now live. And you can take it from me. The new Bet Park app, Bet Parks app is everything you've wanted in a mobile casino in a sports book. And the great thing is, is it's right in the palm of your hand. It's right on your phone. So if you're on the move, if you're at home on the couch, you don't want to get up to get to the computer or whatever, you don't want to. It's simple. Just pop open the BetParks app, check out what's available to play, whether it's props, money lines, player performances, over-unders, alternate lines, live in-game betting, play-by-play betting, all at your fingertips. Easy to sign up, easy to use, and faster to win than ever before. And right now, all Parks users, all BetParks users, uh, use the promo code Jason750, Jason750, and you're going to get a risk-free bet up to $750. $750 bucks. So, make sure you use that, Jason750. And again, it's for new and existing users, terms and conditions to apply. And uh, check it out. Uh, you will not be disappointed. And get in on the action tonight, whether it's hoops playoffs, hockey playoffs, golf, baseball, you name it, all available on the Bet Parks app. So, download the Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. All right, that's going to put episode 46. Of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live in the books. We'll be back next week with another brand new episode. So, everybody, have a great couple of days. Enjoy the playoff hockey, and we will talk to you on the next episode of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live.
2: Down the street, you can hear a scream. You're a disgrace. And she slams the door in his trumpet place. And now he stands outside, and all the neighbors start to gossip and drool. He cries, oh, girl, you must be mad. What happened to the sweet love you and me had? Against the door he leans and starts to sing.